0: heavenly features is brought to you by 18 maiden lane productions hey tyler here at the top uh this is going to be our last episode uh before christmas obviously christmas is just a few days away now um so if anyone is out there struggling with being around maybe some family or not having family at this time uh, we know obviously that's a big thing for queer folks um this year is going to be tough for me because uh I'm not out to the family that I am spending Christmas with. So I get it. And if you do need to reach out, uh, please just jump on to Instagram. We're at Heavenly Features Pod. Send us a DM. Uh, myself or Soph will be available. So if you are struggling at all, feel free to give us a shout. Uh, and we hopefully can at least give you a bit of queer joy. So yeah, anyway, I hope you're all safe and have a good time over the holidays and we'll be back uh next week with our end of year wrap up uh so hopefully you enjoy uh talk to you then hello and
1: welcome to heavenly features a weekly podcast where two friends get together and talk about film i'm sophie and i'm tyler how you doing and today is tyler's uh turn to choose what we're going to watch this festive day
0: This week, I chose the 1995 film, While You Were Sleeping, uh, written by Daniel G. Sullivan and Frederick Lebeau uh, and directed by John Turtletaub. Uh, This film stars the amazing Sandra Bullock. uh, So this was fresh off her breakout role in Speed, which Soph is yet to see, uh, which I hopefully will put right sometime this uh, next year. Make me watch it by putting it on the podcast. (laughs) Oh, Oh, I'm going to. (laughs) Um, uh, stop the procrastinating that is very true um so this yeah it also has bill pullman and peter gallagher in this film is advertised and made as a romantic comedy uh which we'll get into uh along with the problematic storyline It follows Lucy who is a Chicago transit worker whose mother passed away when she was very young and her dad who raised her got sick so the two of them moved to Chicago for his treatment causing Lucy to quit school and move away from everyone and everything she knows. And then her dad passed away leaving her alone so she's then stuck living this lonely unfulfilled life And she all she wants is to love and be loved every day for the last three months. She sees the same man at her job on the L train uh, as he's getting on the train and he she has a massive crush on him. Uh, She then saves him after he's attacked on Christmas Day and pushed onto the train tracks. After a misunderstanding at the hospital, his whole family are told that she is his fiancée. And due to many ridiculous reasons, the main one being loneliness, she goes along with it and ends up not only finding the family that she so desperately wants, but finding love with the brother of Peter, the man she saved while he was sleeping. Uh, And by sleeping, I do mean in a coma. Uh, So this film is, I think, equally cute and disturbing. And it it's the kind of film that you really should take at face value as a rom-com, uh, like the writer and director want you to, because as soon as you do peel away any of the layers, it's creepy as fuck. What's, uh, what's your thoughts on that,
1: Soph? This is a film that I know has debatable... Uh, morality in there um but i am incredibly nostalgic about it and um it's i think it's one of those yeah i think you're right it's one of those films where you're meant to suspend dis- you know your disbelief um and just kind of as you say take it at face value i kind of almost viewed it as being a little bit like a rom-com version of a soap opera because they had so many tropes in there that was you'd see come up in these kind of melodramatic um, soaps and storylines. Um, you know, you've got somebody who is in a coma, somebody who's pretending to be a fiance or be connected to somebody. You've got amnesia. In there, you've got you know falling for the brother of the person you're meant to be in love with. <laughs> you've got lots of stuff going on in there that you could easily find in a daytime soap, um, in a really melodramatic way. And it's kind of been toned down and kind of kind of moulded into a rom com instead. So while there's really problematic things at play there, um, I think we're kind of meant to not believe it too much. I mean, basically don't use this as a manual for finding love. No. Um <laughs> Absolutely it's, not. it's not best. Don't don't lie about, you know, being engaged to people you're not. Don't uh basically uh kind of make people feel weirdly about their relationship with you, uh, because you've been lying to them the entire time. Um, These are generally not good things to do.
0: It's not a great foundation to build a a relationship on.
1: (laughs) I just think it must be so fucking weird later, like she marries the brother at the end or she gets engaged to the brother. I just think, oh my God, imagine Christmas dinners. Every year after that. You yeah. Know? <laughs> but remember when you pretended to be engaged to the you know, my brother in a coma? That's gonna come up in every fight, you know it.
0: Yeah. I mean I would. I would I would dangle that over her for the rest of her life. <laughs>
1: like, you'd be like, what the fuck? I mean, it's it's Sandra Bullock and we fucking love her. Oh, Sandy B she can do no wrong and she sells it she does come across as incredibly adorable in this film and as a result we buy all of this ridiculousness that's happening
0: I would I would buy anything she was selling I just like she can do no wrong in my eyes I just I love her so much and so I don't think it would have worked with many other if any other actors like originally apparently it was written for Demi Moore um And they were in talks with other people. I think Meg Ryan was one of them. And I just can't see any of that working. Uh, I think at some point as well, there was mention of Julia Roberts. And even though she is rom-com queen, I don't think she has the the same qualities as Sandra Bullock. I think Sandra Bullock carried this film and carried this role and made you forget about the problematic aspects because she's so fucking adorable.
1: It's really interesting because it's it, she often portrays, particularly in the rom-coms that she does, and a lot of the comedies as well, she is likeable, but it doesn't seem like it's being put on. Yeah. And she seems like your next door neighbour or somebody that you could really, you know, the girl next door but it's not too tropey and it seems yes. genuine and like she is really sweet, but it's not sickly sweet. And I don't know how she manages to balance it all. Oh, well, she's a god. But it's one of, yeah, it's one of the most uh, endearing things about her. I think it's why so many people love her as an actress. Cause even though she's done more challenging roles or roles that uh, challenge her to do something a little bit different, mm-hmm. everybody kind of knows her as being this just like super likable person. Yeah. And because she's so likable, it's, and there's there's not really any kind of harshness to those performances. She, it's I think everybody just loves her and falls in love with her and will go along with whatever the story is. And we are kind of led to believe that you know everyone would just forgive her because she is so lovable. Yes,
0: absolutely. Uh, because we want
1: her to find happiness. And even though this is a bonkers setup, yeah, it's she has such really lovely like moments with lots of different characters where. You just think, oh, how could you? How could you be upset with her, though? How could you hate her, even even though she's doing this?
0: Yeah, you like uh, like the family say they just fell in love with her immediately, and I think the entire mm. audience falls in love with her immediately, and it, that's something that I think Sandra Bullock is uniquely exceptional at, just making you fall in love with her. Mm and i've heard i've heard from this set there's like been behind the scenes like talks on this set where all of the cast just said you fell in love with sandra bullock immediately like even people who were Aww. like maybe wanted her part and didn't get it and like the whole cast and crew just immediately fell in love with her so the fact that she's the same not the same person because she's a great actor i'm not saying she's just playing herself but the fact that you do just fall in love with her as herself as well makes it 10 times better like whenever you see
1: interviews with her and i mean of course i don't know how much of even when she does interviews is her truly or whether that is you know, acting to a certain extent as well. Um, Not to discourage, you know, not just to say anything bad about her, but I know obviously it's a job. Yeah. Um, But she does seem to be a bit of a goofball and, you know, have this really likeable and relatable kind of aspect to her, which I think comes across in a lot of her characters as well. And I think for me, one of the things that makes her so likeable is not actually the things that she says or the things that she does, but it's the way that she reacts to things and the way that that her, her facial expressions and stuff that I think just kind of move your emotions a little bit or help you to kind of relate to her a little bit because she'll just do something where she'll smirk a little bit or her eyes will twinkle or something. I don't know how she's doing this
0: but she does it. She's magic. She really is. (laughs) You just fall in love with her. Yeah I've been in love with her since I was a child and it will never end. (laughs) Like
1: i just think she's incredible
0: (laughs) she so like with with this film uh, like as i said like other people in her role probably wouldn't have worked because it does take a certain person to make you forget about the problematic side which i think this film does really well if you don't Think about it too much. You can just watch this as a lovely story.
1: Well, for years, like as a teenager and stuff, I wasn't thinking about how problematic it was. I was just enjoying it as a stupid rom com. I don't mean stupid as like a, a derogatory thing, no. but as in like this is a this is a rom com. We're meant to have fun, you know. Don't think about it too seriously.
0: Yeah, but then it's kind of it's kind of like a modern take on Sleeping Beauty. Like, and they even use the imagery in the film of Sleeping Beauty, like the book that she's being read as a kid is Sleeping Beauty. So it's it's also a story we've been fed over the years. And originally this film apparently was written the opposite way round where it would have been the Sandra Bullock character in the bed, in the coma. And the studios all went, well, that's a bit problematic uh, and a bit creepy. I do wonder how that would have played, whether that would have been more seen as a bit predatory. And I think also we would have had less
1: screen time with Sandra Bullock, which would also be a problem. Um, I think she's uniquely positioned to do this film. Mm. I think she, as you said, she's one of the few people who can carry it off and for us not to be completely creeped out, we can understand her loneliness and her desire to be taken in by a family and to be loved and to share Christmas and uh, with with a family because she's not had that for even even when she was a kid, she didn't have the full family setting. She was an only child. She only had one parent for most of her childhood, you know, and then her dad got sick. So I can imagine a lot of her celebrations and her Christmases would have been lonely even when her parents were around or even when one, you know, her dad was still around because it would have, you know, there would have been the shadow of illness or whatever it is. And it would perhaps not be the image that you imagine, like your soul would, of a perfect family Christmas, um, and so when she sees this in the Callahans, and they are like seriously s- one of the best families I think I've seen on film. When it comes to, and uh, this is where I really love the script. When it comes to like their dialogue and their kind of silly conversations across the dinner table and the way they talk to each other, it feels really rooted in in how families talk to each other. It feels so real. It really does. It's. And it's so comforting yeah and I can see why she craves it and why she doesn't want to give it up even though she knows what she's doing is wrong um and so I, I that's why this film is supposedly it's a it's a love story it is a rom-com there is that element to it but it's just as much about her falling in love with the family Absolutely. as it is her falling in love with bull Pullman
0: and you can totally you can totally understand that for many reasons like firstly like I grew up in a big family so I've I feel really lucky that I had that like big family like dynamic and the jokes and stuff across the table and all of this. So then for someone like Lucy in this film who craves that, but I think also one of the main reasons she craves it, the the romanticized way that her dad has told her the stories throughout her life of her mum and how yes. they fell in love and how happy they were and how the all they wanted was this family together and it's just a, like romanticized thing because it's so easy as well to romanticize someone after they've gone so like he talks about her mum and puts her up on this pedestal so she doesn't hear any of the flaws she doesn't hear any of the bad sides she just hears i was so in love with her she was so in love with me we had this perfect connection and then we had this child that was you and it was all perfect so she's like well why can't everyone have that like because he sold her this fairy tale mm. so then she feels extra lonely when that fairy fa- she doesn't have that fairy tale and her dad's gone so she's yeah. all alone with her cat which by the way means she's not completely alone um <laughs> you can totally understand why she just fell into this as soon as she was accepted into this big family and i think she plays it so well They're the fairy tale family weren't they Yeah, and as much as they have issues and problems, they're together and united. And it's such a beautiful way of looking at Mm. it because they don't try and make them this perfect family. Like, they've all got issues. They've all got, like, they have little arguments and they all, like, say, oh, don't say that. Like, let her talk. And all, like, these little bantery things between them. And it's just, it's such a beautiful dynamic to see this messy family, yet it's so perfect.
1: Yeah, because they are kind of semi-estranged from... Peter Gallagher the guy who's in the coma yeah because he's a bit of a dick because oh my god we'll get into him he's <laughs> not he, a narcissistic arrogant kind of man um but nevertheless they are not perfect and yet they welcome her in so easily and can I just say I so saw uh you uh, in his mum just like as soon as he. I mean, because it's Sandra Bullock as well, but also just, like, no questions asked, really. Just, like, automatically crying and hugging and saying, welcome to the family. Oh, yeah. Because that would totally be your your way of doing and like they do loads of extra things like getting her a present inviting her to christmas like they do christmas the the, Boxing day is what we well we call it boxing day i don't think they have that in america no it's not a universal thing but um the day after christmas is boxing day i don't really know where that name comes from but it's basically when our sales start yeah um (laughs) and people go out and hit the sales after christmas so they have their christmas on boxing day and they've put a stocking up for her with her name on and they've just welcomed her in straight yeah. away and all of those gestures oh, are very you.
0: Yes, oh absolutely. That's You would 100% do that. 100% yeah. I I go all in like immediately. That's like but yeah. I also I think like for her what a beautiful a beautiful thing. If if she wasn't lying about the whole thing. Imagine you haven't met your fiancé's family and the first time you meet them, they welcome you in without any question. They make you a stocking. They give Mm. you a present. They treat you just immediately as family. Like, that's the ideal scenario. And, like, you can see her... This is another... Sandra Bullock is just fucking amazing. Her face... She doesn't say anything in that scene where she's just sat... And she's given the present, and they're like, oh, and the 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 yeah. sister is like, oh, from Santa, and she just hugs the present and watches everyone. She doesn't even open the gift. She doesn't do anything. She just watches, mm-hmm. and you feel every bit of emotion that she is feeling in that scene just through her eyes. The gift for her, it, although she's
1: got the physical gift, the gift is is being there, and I think you can see that how she's that's what she's longed for is to have this kind of close yeah. family kind of situation Um and that's why I say it's a love story with the her and her, the family as much as it is Absolutely. with the love interest who we get who gets in, uh, introduced quite late into the film because it's only the day after Christmas so it's like actually the 27th of December it must be that they meet for the first time because he's uh, there in the morning after she's stayed over and can I just say although I say that I see you maybe um, personality-wise in the mum. Oh, I'm Bill Pullman. You are Bill Pullman because <laughs> as soon as I saw everything that he was wearing, I was like, so that's Tyler's wardrobe. Um, yeah. <laughs> the jeans, yeah. the plaid, the jacket, the the boots.
0: Yeah, the wanting to be good at woodwork as much as he is, I would love to be that. Imagine me being able to actually just make a rocking chair. Fucking love it. I can imagine you doing that, like yeah, having absolutely. a business like that. yeah the only difference i think between me and him in this in this is that he is such a cunt to her at the beginning that's why i said it's not personality it's purely fashion well he does have great style (laughs) and he falls over and rips his trousers which is also something you probably do (laughs) which is 100 percent me yeah all right there we do have some similarities yeah the first morning in fairness he's not an overly problematic person to her but as we go on a bit, he just gets worse and worse and worse. See, he's probably more my personality in
1: just being like, uh, not di- not like the rest of the family willing to dive in straight away, but he's a little bit sceptical. Probably because as a brother, he knows his brother pretty well and in all fairness, um, Lucy, who's Sandra Bullock's character, we haven't actually called her by her name yet. Um, she is not the type that he normally goes for, you know. So I think what it is is that Bill Pullman. What's his What's his character's name? Bill so, Pullman. Pullman. Uh, never mind. <laughs> Bill Pullman. Um, he knows that his brother likes kind of stuck-up, bossy, prissy, kind of spoilt women who have plastic surgery. Well, what's What's his Ex's name Ashley Barton Bacon. Yes, so he's probably knows that that's the kind of girl that he would normally go for, the kind of woman he'd go for. And Sandra Bullock is so different; she's so down to earth, so she's so kind and nice. And he's probably a little bit suspicious because he knows that's probably not what his brother, uh, what his brother would normally go for. I think that's where it stems, and yet he he doesn't know when to pull back and stop questioning things. And I mean, ultimately, he is right; she is not his fiance, uh, You know. Peter's fiance, but he does go about things in sometimes a little bit of a cruel way
0: where he he embarrasses her. Yeah, he does it in a cruel and creepy way. Like, he stalks her to his apartment, to Peter's apartment. And then when he goes into Peter's apartment and she's in there, he asks her why she's there. And it's like, well, she's the fiancé. Like, of course she'd be there. And then she's like, oh, I'm here to feed the cat. And he's like, Peter doesn't have a cat. And then there's a cat. And then there's a phone call. And he's like, are you not going to get that? She, The phone call ends up being for her. So this is all proof. If you... Obviously, we know it's not true. But if you didn't at that point, you'd be like, "He's just had three things proven to him that that is correct." Yeah. And yet, the next scene after that apartment, and and then he tests her about his about Peter's car. He gets to the hospital then, and is going, "Oh, which of the three Stooges is his favorite? What's his favorite ice cream?" Like, keeps testing her in front of everyone. It's like even if you were suspicious, regardless of any of the rest of it your brother's in a coma your family's like looking after your brother the last thing they need is for you to be going on and attacking lucy i think that um
1: he could have done better by just observing and not questioning yeah because if he'd deserved he might have seen things that may have not rung true about his brother or something Um, rather than questioning kind of makes him look like he's in the wrong as opposed to just kind of observing and being a little bit kind of not as willing to accept her so quickly into the family. But I think part of it, I actually it's it's not explained this way and and maybe I'm just reading into it, but it, it seems clear from the first time that he meets her on the 27th of December, um, that he thinks, wow, I like her, Like, or she's my type or whatever, I'm attracted to her. And so there's a part of me that wonders if he is trying to prove that she's not engaged to Peter because he would prefer it if she was attainable or available oh
0: i definitely i definitely think that's what it is i think that's where it's coming from whether he's conscious of it or
1: not i think it's very much you know little boy in the playground bullies a girl he likes but i I... think that's what they're going for
0: yeah and also i think that because his brother is this like really successful incredible like arrogant prick but also always got everything like you see the tension later between them and like, how they, he just kind of abandoned the whole family and left Bill Pullman to have to kind of put his life on hold to make sure that the family is all good and happy and stays together. So I think Bill Pullman has yeah. this, like, bit of resentment there. And then when, when Peter gets another thing that Bill wants, he's like, for fuck's sake... Yes like again you get this when you don't fucking deserve it because you're a bit of an anus
1: well especially because um peter is like the the pride of the family he's the successful lawyer he's the local hero he's he's done all of these things that they you know they literally have a a book that's full of scraps all about him and how great he's you know his his achievements or things about him that are you know, great. And you don't see that Bill has anything like that. So (laughs) I think there is this thing of being like not the favoured son, 100%. And as you said, getting lumped with a business and not knowing how to... uh, move on and do the thing that you want to do uh, especially because it's a family business I think he is res- I think he is a bit resentful when he then sees oh and you've got the beautiful girl who's lovely and the family loves yeah. and I kind of love her as well but I can't have her because you've already got her and I don't want to be the dick that takes away the fiance while my brother's Homer. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, so you know I think there's a lot going on there and it's not it's again I'd actually say uh, it's not vocalised but you see some of that in Bill Pullman's expressions when uh, Lucy walks out the door and walks away and he just looks a little bit kind of heartbroken that he's no longer even though he's been taunting her he's heartbroken now that she's left the room or whatever or that he can't see her yeah. or that he, he, she's dating Joe Jr. Um <laughs> And all of these different, you can see he's crest, you can see he's crestfallen every time that sort of thing happens. Yeah. And um, I do think he he doesn't know how to, you know, deal with those emotions and he doesn't know how to vocalise any of that. And so he does fall into that not great trope of being the boy that bullies a girl.
0: I think he likes a little bit. As well, like as much as I think this is a very well written script with regards to like the family and the like, like the the actual day to day talking between them, I think it's a very well written yeah. script. But I do think it falls into a lot of those male ego, nineties tropes with how they write men, and so I think a lot of that. I think the reason that both you and I have a problem with Bill Pullman's character Jack. A problem with jack is because, <laughs> is because he is written in that way of like the bullying being a way of, of a man showing his like or a little boy showing like he likes you which is something that is such a trope that needs to just be gotten rid of and like the joe it's Junior kind of romanticized character. isn't it exactly it's so romanticized and It's such, it's so fucked up.
1: Because you're made to believe that, oh, if a boy bullies you or if he's mean to you, it means he likes you. And it's like, that's still fucked up and we shouldn't accept that. (laughs) And I would hope that if this was written today, that would be a different approach there. Yeah. A different approach to a lot of things, but a different approach um, to the story so that he wouldn't maybe antagonise her in the way. Perhaps he'd befriend her and then he'd fall in love or something rather than he's... But I, I do think, and I think we're reading between the lines because it's not verbally expressed, but because Bill Pullman and Sandra Bullock are fantastic actors, 100%. we see how they are falling in love without them having to show it that much. We just see it in their facial expressions. Yeah. Um, and I think because of that, we can see that Jack basically falls head over heels as soon as he meets Sandy B and who can blame him. Well
0: exactly. I mean even and and Bill Pullman is a fantastic actor but I think you would believe anyone to be in love with Sandra Bullock. <laughs> I mean it's not just Sandy B those knits oh I have such a thing about the knitwear in this film. I
1: know. It is stunning the chunky knits and the moment one of the cutest things I think in the whole film is when she's with her landlord and she brings a present out of the sleeve of her jumper and it's just like that is just ridiculously cute. I... And I want to do it myself someday. And I want the big chunky knits that she has. And it's so cozy and warm. And she's wearing layers upon layers of knits, and <laughs> she just looks so cute. You rock a chunky chunky knit, though. You totally rock a
0: chunky knit. Inspired by Sandy B. and this film in particular. 100%.
1: Oh, I love her. But
0: why don't Um, you just, like, sneak some stuff up your sleeve? Like, I, for example, (laughs) the thing that I used to keep up my chunky knit when I was younger was a guinea pig. So, you know. Don't think I'll go for a live rodent. But I am definitely, well, we were talking about,
1: <laughs> this is just our personal lives now, we were talking about doing a Sandra <laughs> Bullock film night. Um, and we've done these well, in the past, yes. or at least I've done these with friends in the past, where you choose um, an actor to or a director, but it's usually an actor, that you're going to um, choose just films from them, from their category um, uh, or the, or filmography that's what I'm looking for and then you have to dress up as one of their characters and uh, we were saying we're going to do a Sandra Bullock one and I'm definitely going as her in this so I can wear a big chunky knit and hide a present under my up my sleeve
0: (laughs) I want my dream to come true and and by hiding a present up your sleeve do you actually mean hiding like a bag of popcorn
1: um maybe maybe just some beverages (laughs) you know slice of
0: pizza few little things to have a nibble on. Um,
1: But, no, that's why I have said that it has to happen in uh, winter, because I'm not roasting (laughs) uh, in a chunky knit in the summer. But uh, I just love her fashion in this. And I also love that, although I know 100% she's wearing makeup, she doesn't really look like she's wearing makeup. And when Mm -hmm. they're outside, she looks like she is cold. Like She's got the, yes. the rosy cheeks and she doesn't look like she's wearing a huge amount of them. It's very natural. If she's got anything on, it's like a little bit of concealer, maybe some mascara. She hasn't got much on at all. Her hair's all over the place. And a lot of people might be thinking that this isn't very glamorous. But for me, I'm like, style icon, I love her.
0: Well, the fact that like the the, the two like main ones in this film, like oh. Bill Pullman and Sandra Bullock, are both wearing very casual clothes like yes. chunky knits for sandy b a plaid shirt and ripped jeans ripped by accident but still for for bill pullman like they firstly they wear them so well yes. but also it's just so natural mm. like and it makes this whole film because this film is meant to feel cozy and comfortable and natural and it really does the the fucking costume department Hit it out of the park with this. Like they did so well. I really think that they nailed it with just the that cozy comfort feeling. And then like the obviously the set design and everything with it
1: being so Christmassy feeling. All the snow, all the the lights and everything, all the tinsel, all the Christmas trees. Chicago looks so Christmassy, and I like that it's yeah. Chicago as well because usually it's New York that gets the Christmas yes. film treatment. And so um, it was beautiful to see um chicago looking so magical as well christmas um and i just i don't know i just i absolutely loved like it was just so warm and cozy there's something about 90s christmas films though i don't they i don't know if it's because i'm a child of the 90s it's very possible but i just feel like they get the christmas aesthetic that cozy christmas aesthetic so well Like, most of the films that I enjoy watching at Christmas that I go back to repeatedly are films that are probably from the 90s because they have that ridiculous over-the-top red bows and baubles and lights and, you know, fun pop songs usually leading in. I mean, um, we knew this was going to be a great film when, like, the first song is by um, Natalie Cole, Uh, with this will be i was like oh this is such a 90s classic Uh, you know as in like this is the kind of music you get in these 90s films and uh i just it really sets a tone and i don't know if it's just my nostalgia which it probably is but um it just makes me feel so comforted
0: i was gonna say like nostalgia wise i it would be interesting to see the different generations what their go-to is because Like you even started this like episode off by saying about how nostalgic this film is for you, Mm. so I wonder if it does have the same. Like I wonder if I sat down with my like nephews who aren't much younger than me but are the generation below and put this film on, whether they'd have the same feelings as me or whether it just hits us. Because I actually saying that I know it definitely hits the generation above, because my mum loves this film. Yeah, like she's obsessed. I mean, she's she is probably the third biggest Sandra Bullock fan on earth, second, uh, like behind just us. (laughs) Like, so (laughs) um, it's, it does have that, like, I mean, I think to be honest, most Sandra Bullock films give me that nostalgic feeling. And I I do think you're right about the Christmas films. I think the Christmas films you watched as a kid maybe are the ones that you, and I don't mean like a young kid. I mean like a teenager and like growing up when you like, christmas was more important in a way uh maybe they're the ones that you hang on to more but i don't know if that's accurate like i'd love to know the different generations take on that what's interesting because
1: this is 100 a christmas film and yet we used to watch this year round um i think the first time oh, i yeah. watched it was at your house Um, when we were teenagers and when we used to come back from parties and being out on the town um, as teenagers we would always end up back at yours on the couch and it would either be while you're sleeping um, Mm -hmm. pretty woman or I would be forcing you to watch ginger snaps again which we've talked about previously Um, and the trauma Or Interview with a Vampire. (laughs) We didn't watch that one as much, but I do love that film. Um, But we, particularly Pretty Woman and While You Were Sleeping, were the classic ones to go on whilst we were like vegging out, getting ready for bed, you know, maybe having a drink or something to eat, to try and sober up. This was a film that we would be watching um, a lot of the time and we would watch it all throughout the year it didn't matter what time of year it was and i think maybe that's also why i have such a connection with it because it so much
0: (laughs) that's so true that is so true like it was it was like one of those go-tos i'm sure it was on vhs as well like yeah where we would just like we'd get home drunk and like i'm not saying that you should underage drink but we were definitely underage and we'd have been at a party come home put some toast with irish butter and sit down and watch this like comfort movie yeah like yeah is that's that is so true and and watching it then i genuinely did not think of the problematic side of it Strong. (laughs) well yeah there is that but like so there's so many in this there's so many red flags but the one that stuck out the most to me and it it chills me to my core like every time i think of it i'm like no this is so fucking wrong so wrong is when they're testing lucy to see whether she is actually like oh well if she wanted to prove it she'd prove it nanny says in the corner Uh, and she goes oh well he only has one ball which is something he hasn't disclosed to his family so that is private medical information you do not disclose that. So that is the that is the bit that I have a problem with Lucy for. Not the, Not the lying about being a fiancé, not the intercepting the whole family. I'm like, you don't disclose that shit. And then the fact that rather than just taking it, they are like, well, we need to check this somehow. And the mother goes, well, I'm his mother. He's a fully grown adult man. You do not check his balls. And she lifts up and goes, oh, yeah, look, only one testicle. I mean, they could have done something else where they could have said that, you know, he's got a scar on his
1: arm or something. It would be a lot easier than something that does make you wonder where consent has been crossed, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. whether boundaries have been crossed there. Um, one thing I thought was kind of, I don't think we're meant to read it this way, but, like, kind of is a bit icky, is that Lucy is so determined to travel because her dad really instilled that in her and she talks about getting that stamp in her passport and like one of the last lines is about how she's now finally going to get that stamp in her passport and there's a part of me that's like did you marry him just because he said he'd take you to Florence (laughs) or whatever you know like there's always been that thing where that line has just like been a bit icky where it's it's kind of come across that part of the reason she's marrying him is because she wants her dream to come true and maybe that would happen if she was you know married to him
0: oh my god i never read it as that at all i totally took that like at all i think i think this is the difference between you and i where where the like romantic side comes in you're like oh that bitch is just using him and i'm like oh it's so romantic like part of (laughs) part of the dream that she had was to travel probably with her her family whether it be her dad or whether it be her husband or whatever
1: but i didn't see it i didn't see it as being that that's the only reason like she's why she's
0: marrying him i
1: just thought that it kind of came across that that was like one of the motivators <laughs> do you know what i mean i didn't think like that she was like a gold digger but just that there was something in there about like i don't know it was the way it was said that this has always <laughs> run true to me that she's like oh now i finally get to Get that stamp on my passport as if she couldn't have done it herself, and she could have.
0: I see, yeah, I, like I totally get that. Like she hundred percent could have done it by herself. The bit I find with that end scene and that end line that is more of an issue for me than that is the. And again, I know that you know I have. I I always bring up the like issue that I have with the like daddy daughter thing, um, like in the film we did with Lindsay Lohan recently where I was like, oh, Chord is the exact same as Daddy Belmont. Well, like, she she loves the fact that her dad gave her the globe, and, like, this symbolises, like, the globe, and he wants her to travel and all of this. And then, obviously, we get Bill Pullman giving her the snow globe as, like, here's a little taste of Florence. But then at the end, she goes, oh, you might say, he gave me the world, just like me daddy. Like, it's like, oh, again, with that, like... Oh, why romanticise this father-daughter thing? It's not romantic. It's creepy as fuck. It's not just that, because it's it's her
1: mum gave her dad the world, as in like the lamp, yes. and now he's giving her the world. So it's the romanticization of her yes. parents' relationship as well. So yes. I think we're overanalyzing this film, 100%. 100%. I percent love this film, but there are questionable things if you get the magnifying glass out and just look a little bit closer, Um, (laughs) which is... um, I think I'm just going to take my glasses off, have a blurry vision, you know, maybe like... Put your rose-tinted on, we're all good to go. Exactly. Maybe stand a bit too close to a speaker the night before so that I don't hear all the lines 100% perfect. And I'll love this and I will not notice all the problematic aspects.
0: Or we just need to find a house party that will take two OAPs and come back and watch it afterwards (laughs) but i like if 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 we took it how i took it as a drunk teenager it's this beautiful the ending for example is this beautiful story of like she was fed this romanticized idea by her parents of what the perfect family and the perfect relationship looks like and that's all she ever dreamed of and her dreams came true yeah. And her now husband gave her the world. As so well if we took it as that. And, yeah, exactly.
1: And his love. <laughs> if we did
0: take it as that, like, great. It's just, it's just the, if you do die, like, peel one, one little layer back, you do have this like, oh, God, why? But like, on the surface, if you just take it as a surface, it is a really fucking cute film. And a really cute ending it to is. a film. It is, really cute. But there are so many problematic parts even even one that actually did annoy me even when i was drunk which was the boss telling her she had to work christmas day basically tell forcing her blackmailing mm. her into it like oh, i'll give you extra oh well you know i have a family and kids and everyone else has a family and you're alone and lonely and a little spinster yeah. sat in your apartment you should work it because we're more important than you you've
1: got nothing better to do and this is like well that's rubbing the salt in the wound isn't it the fact that like only a year or two ago she lost literally the last remaining member of her family as far as we're concerned thanks for telling us all about that and rubbing in um really appreciated way to make her feel more lonely and more susceptible um and maybe because she's being treated like that that's what makes her do something so extreme um yeah as to and and the reason she can't Reveal who she is from the beginning is because she is concerned and con- she cares about the family and their heart conditions and so. Particularly, I don't know what her name is in this, but Glennis Johns, who is a fabulous yes. actor, and she's so good in this film. She has a lot of the... and a
0: fabulous character.
1: Yeah, she has a lot of the one liners. Um, so I loved when she, um, she said, I don't drink anymore. I don't drink any less either. And I have 100% used that line myself. Um, and she also says, I like mass when it's in Latin.
0: It's better when you don't know what they're saying. And I was like, well, that sounds up religion. And also, yeah, she, she reminds me so much of my family. Like mm. not not all of my family, but like I think I think maybe my grandma who my grandma was a fucking badass. And I know I've talked about her a lot on this podcast because she was like my hero. I fucking love she's, my grandma to bits. She's an honorary host of the
1: of the podcast at this stage. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Shout out <laughs> Agnes Hayward. Um, but she like 100% I've heard her say things like, oh, oh, no, I don't. I couldn't possibly have another one and then hold her glass out. Like it's these like little things that I'm like, oh, and it just makes you, it does, not only does it make you feel like this is a real family, but it Mm -hmm. makes you feel like home. It makes you feel at home. It makes you feel loved and comforted. This film is, is just so, it's like a warm blanket wrapped around you. And it's so Mm. fucking weird how if you do peel back any of those fucking layers, you're like, Oh, it's so problematic because it shouldn't make you feel this warm and loved when it's that problematic. <laughs> I think um,
1: one of the reasons, though, why we don't feel quite so bad about what Lucy does, is because of how much Peter, the guy in the coma, is such an arrogant asshole. I mean, I've it's it's rare to see an apartment that so encapsulates someone's personality. But his apartment is like stark white, and he's got this blue, like this vase with blue water, and it's just very pretentious. He's got pictures of himself around like posing and when she when she opened his wallet it's just like pictures of him holding a tennis racket and stuff and it is so weird and creepy and narcissistic and arrogant and i think because he is such an ass we later find out that the um the childhood kind of heroic moment where he saved some squirrels was actually only happened as an account of him literally shooting the squirrels out of the tree in the first place so he's a complete
0: arsehole possibly sociopathic um and he which sorry just to interject with that uh story that apparently one of the writers i think it was brothers or something family member anyway that's a true story that squirrel story And they were mortified when it was put into the script. They were like, you can't fucking put that in the script. It's like, well, you shouldn't have fucking done it. Like... Well, you know what? Fair enough. But like, yeah. I
1: think because he is, you know, we, 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 we learned that he's not really in touch with his family. The fact that he had proposed before this whole thing with um, Lucy to a married woman um, at who he had yes. also, you know, Paid for all of her plastic surgery and stuff, and he seems to be quite shallow. And there's a lot of things there where it makes you feel like not only does Lucy fall in love with the right person, but also that we shouldn't feel bad really about what she's done because he's yes. such an asshole. That fuck Peter him. Gallagher
0: plays that so well because apparently he he's a lovely man in real life. Oh, I'm sure, and he is. Play, like, he plays this narcissistic person who you can understand. Why people would have that initial connection to him because he's got that like floppy hair smile. It's he he gives up his seat to people. He yeah. he holds the door open only when it really suits him. To be honest, yes. like on that train, he wanted to stop that, and then he lets the lady on as well. Like he if you if you don't peel back any of the layers there, you can understand why people would initially be like, oh, what a lovely handsome beautiful like person this is not like if you peel back a single layer you it's not but you can understand the initial like Oh, he seems like a nice fella.
1: I think that a lot of the things that he does, like giving up his seats on the train every day and stuff, I think they're all things where you are seen to be doing something good. And I think it's something... Oh, it's from vanity. It's from vanity. And for him wanting for to, people to admire him or to look at him or yeah. to think that he's a nice person or a good person, I don't think it comes from a genuine place. And I think we're meant to believe yeah. that it doesn't come from a genuine place. But you can see why... Yes. Um, Lucy, looking out from a distance, falls in love with him. Partially for shallow reasons as well, but she thinks he seems kind, he's well put together, he's successful, and you can see why she might garner this crush on him. Especially when she's been fed these romantic ideas. Yeah, he is literally the sleeping beauty of the story, because he visually... He, he looks very handsome. I mean, he's not my type, but he looks very handsome Whereas he's sitting there in his coma um, or lying there in his coma. And as soon as he wakes up and we realise what his personality is, that's when the the illusion uh, about who he is, this romanticism about him is shattered. Yes.
0: And like, even to the point, like his, the way he proposes to Lucy then, when he's when he's convinced to propose to her, his line is, My family loves you. I might as well love you. It's not very romantic. What the fuck is that? What? I was so angry when he said that. Like, I was like, Sandra Bullock deserves more. (laughs) I don't think, I think the point is, is that he's meant to be like
1: the antithesis of romance. Um, You know, he's proposing to a married woman for all we know about their relationship is that they're both incredibly arrogant, conceited, selfish people who are very shallow and vain and care about appearances. Yes. One of the only th- conversations he has with uh, Lucy after he wakes up from his coma is him reminiscing about his favorite suit. Um, so there's yes. lots of things where, you know, we don't really learn anything nice about his character. And on the on the other end of the scale, we learn about Jack who, although he has been a bit of a dick and he is bullying Sandra, Lucy, a lot, they we also see how he, is kind to her and how they have chemistry and the way they look at each other and how they start spending more time with each other and how they can have a laugh and a joke together and how they're much more better suited how um she admires his carpentry and you know all all these different things where you can see how they're connecting and how they're a better match
0: and and that like the the normal trope of uh finding that missing piece and bettering each other so, like, yeah. sh- immediately, obviously, she finds this family with him and she finds this he gives her the world and he learns to stand up for he- what he wants and talk to his father about uh, not going into business with him and actually starting his own carpentry business, like making furniture. And it's like yes. this, they-, they improve each other and make each other better rather than uh, Peter Gallagher's character who thinks he's the... Fucking shit. I think that's why we
1: are led to not feel sorry for the guy in the coma essentially. Because normally yes. you'd be thinking, God, this is awful. This is all happening uh, when he's in a coma. But because he is such an ass, we are glad that they don't get together. More than glad. Yes. Because they are not yes. well suited. And I think Lucy sees very easily once he wakes up that not only is she in love with his brother, but that he's not the man that she thought he was.
0: Yeah, and I also, I I love that this film is done in a way where even with the problematic sides, you you are led down the right path. Yeah. Like, the whole way through you are led down it. So the whole way you're, you're led to not like Peter immensely, but you're not led to hate him either. Like, you're mm. like, oh, he's a bit of an anus, but, like, he's still a member of the Callahans and you love the Callahans. And, like... So when at the end, when they do say, oh, Peter asks uh, when it was I fell in love with Jack. And I always say, while you were sleeping, you're not like, Ugh, why are they still talking to Peter? Like it's the whole film, I think, is done very well for a problematic story. Like it's done very well. I love it. It does feel cozy. And even like Joe Jr., who is an awful character, an awful man, but you're still not like, when he turns up on screen, you are like, oh, he's creepy, he's fucked up, he's lecherous, he's like an issue, but he's also not done in a way that is so problematic that you are like actively hating him.
1: He Well, he's interesting because he's, in many ways he's meant to be the comic relief in some, yes.
0: uh, there are other characters that
1: are funny as well, but he's meant to add to that humour. He's also meant to show that, Lucy has always been desirable with men. Yes. It's just that she hasn't met the right one. So it's not that she's some somebody who you know nobody is interested in uh, because come on it's, it's Sandra Bullock. Um and but we also we get some we see that he's like obviously he's lecherous and that is unpleasant to watch when he is um being really quite creepy and, and not really taking no as a no from um yes. Lucy. But there are also moments where you can see why she kind of puts up with him. He's he's harmless. It's not one of those things where somebody is like harassing someone and you fear for their safety. We know yes. that he's never going to really cross the boundary. He's just always going to be trying to ask Lucy out. He'll always be doing that. You can tell Lucy feels safe with him. She doesn't feel endangered by him, and and. She almost feels a bit of pity for him, I think, because she said yes. no, and I think she's irritated by him as well sometimes, but she she doesn't seem see him as being um more than a nuisance, really, and yet when he later you know, he's got this bravado about him, and yet later when he starts crying because his, you know, fling with the girl on the third floor or whatever um, hasn't worked out, she is really sweet with him and comforts him. And what I really liked is that although we're meant to kind of laugh at his character, there is a moment when um, he has to hide in her closet and um, he's found to have been trying on her shoes. And she doesn't really judge him in that moment she's just like what are you doing trying on my shoes more more the, the the kind of concept i get from that is that it's more of an invasion of her privacy than it is a problem that yes. he's trying on her shoes as an idea as a concept and later when he's upset she's like oh come on try on some of my shoes that will make you feel happier and i kind of love that there's just no judgment there this is from the 90s yeah. come on now
0: mid 90s as well not like late late 90s this is 95 yeah like... and there's
1: there's no question about his sexuality or anything here it's not like oh and of course he's gay really uh, that he's been putting on this front and that's why he always asks her out because he's trying to seem heterosexual when he's actually gay which is what a lot of films yeah. at this time would have done no he is a yes. heterosexual man who likes supposedly likes to wear women's shoes and there is yeah. not really any judgment about that. And it's actually kind of refreshing, even though he's like a horrible character in many ways. I'm like, yes, you try on those shoes, Joe Jr.
0: And leave her alone. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and as like as much as, let's face it, Sandra Bullock's feet probably aren't the same size as Joe Jr.'s, the We're fact that she no was shoes. just immediately like... Just come in, try them yeah. on. Like, this will make you feel better. Say the And she does it in the exact same way as any other film would have done. Oh, come on in. I've got some Baskin Robbins in the freezer. It's like, this is your comfort. Do you like the little throwback to the Baskin Robbins in uh, Peter Gallagher's freezer earlier? See? Tying it all you into mean like the film.
1: All, all, all of the. Very, very obvious product placement. But I also love that he um What do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) That he literally has it comes out of the closet, was not lost on me. Um as well. Um and yeah, I just think it's just it's in there and you don't really notice it that much. But I just think actually it's really sweet. Um and they didn't have to do that. And at this time a lot of films would have made that the joke. He would yeah. Be the butt of the joke. And even though we do laugh at some of his behaviour in other parts of the film, I don't I certainly didn't see this as a moment that we were meant to laugh at. I don't know if other pe- other viewers would have. Um, but I didn't think that was the intention.
0: It didn't come across like that to me anyway. No. So Yeah, it it very much felt like a he he's a problematic character and a bit of an arse uh and a bit like lecturous. but the the issues he has were not putting on the shoes that was never put it didn't come across like that was like oh look at this fucking weirdo with the women's shoes yeah and the only
1: boundaries that he crosses is are is trying on those shoes without her permission but although we're saying yeah. he's lecherous he never touches her or does anything inappropriate with her he just no. is always asking her out and trying to give her flowers and acting like he's her boyfriend even though he isn't and whilst if somebody was doing that in real life to you you would be like let's get a restraining order um it's not really meant to be dangerous in in this scenario and i think that's so it is again it's a problematic trope but um (laughs) another another one in this film but i don't think we're meant to kind of take anything too serious from it
0: no and she can't really be too pissed off at a guy pretending he's her boyfriend when she's pretending she's uh the fiance of a guy in a coma (laughs) <laughs> yeah. there is definitely that like...
1: as well she's also very problematic because she also has a moment and this always stands out with me and it's the only thing that i don't agree with her at all in this whole film she has this very problematic moment where she's eating her dinner and she takes an oreo and she puts it in the milk of her cat bowl i knew and you'd bring this up i
0: fucking knew it i was so waiting
1: unhygienic. And also,
0: you shouldn't give cats milk.
1: I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt that it was cat milk.
0: But then don't dip your fucking Oreo in cat milk. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. But, like, um, most cats are lactose intolerant, I believe. So you shouldn't give them milk. And um, it was just very problematic for me.
0: I think might be, be the most problematic thing in the whole film. Um... <laughs> apparently, apparently, that was improved by Sandra Bullock. She was like, oh, oh this, like... she. So she was like, oh, this, like... Kind of feels like the sort of thing that Lucy would do and improv it, and I kind of 100% agree with her. It feels like that sort of character. I think that was such a great improv moment.
1: I also totally believe that uh, Lucy would scrub the heck out of those, um, those cat bowls, so I'm not worried about hygiene from that level, but um. It did seem wrong.
0: (laughs) I think also, yeah, I like. I think any time Joe Junior turned up at her door, she would just start cleaning the flat afterwards, like to make herself feel clean. So I think, I think the flat is very clean. I think that's why her,
1: uh, his dad, lets her get away with breaking the window because he's like, you have to put up with a lot from my son, so it's fine.
0: Like the dad. Also, I think the dad kind of wants Lucy to be a member of their family. Who wouldn't? Because he keeps trying to set her up with Joe Junior, and it's like. Oh no no there is that's not going to happen <laughs> there's no chemistry between them like at all like no. it's just not going to happen one one of the other things that apparently was improved on this film uh was where you know where uh they first tell peter gallagher that he's uh got amnesia because yes. of him not remembering his fiance. And then the nurse comes in and brings him Jell O. Yes. And he goes, Do I like Jell O? Apparently that's improv. And I was like, That is uh... such a great line of. Because you would, you'd be so confused if you remembered everything, bar one thing. Yes. And then you're like, Wait, do I like this? Am I, what, like, what well, is happening? You would start questioning everything. The one thing that I thought
1: was interesting is that all of the examples he was giving to show that he um remember stuff was generally stuff to do with his long-term memory and it's like you yes. can have amnesia where it's short-term memory <laughs> and if you're meant to have only known yes. each other for three months then it's quite possible that you could forget somebody even though he doesn't actually have amnesia because <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know who the fuck she is
0: <laughs> again it's to show him being very uh up his own ass because he's mm-hmm. saying look how great i am look what i did at this age look what i did at that age look what i did at this yeah. age look at all my awards look at my gpa and it's like, dude, we're talking about Lucy here, not you. Like, yeah, it was it was very it was very blatant how up his own ass he was. And which is again, as you said, why this film you can just watch and enjoy. And I enjoy it every
1: single time that I put so, it on. I certainly one that I try and watch I usually watch every winter, if not every Christmas. Um, And it's just, it's just a joy. It's just absolute joy. Thank you for recommending it this week.
0: Well, see, because I used to watch it a lot. Obviously, as you said, we used to watch it when we were drunk. Uh, But I hadn't watched it in years. And I suddenly was like, oh, my fucking God. Like, I need more Sandra Bullock in my life, firstly. So I was like, yeah, absolutely. This should be a staple in my winter diary. Design. I mean any Sandra Bullock should be a staple in my diary. Let's just, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad that I rewatched this and I'm definitely gonna add this to my like rewatch every year around Christmas yeah. time list Um, because it does it just makes you feel so fucking cozy really does and I mean if if you are one of the very few people who haven't seen this
1: film I highly encourage that you do so absolutely and if you have seen it watch it again because you will not regret it I watched it normally I watch a film once just to do you know I watch it and I will um make my notes as I go through and stuff not only have I not really looked at my notes except for like one or two quotes to get it word for word um but also I watched this film twice this week because I watched it once, and then I told my mum that I'd watched it, and uh, she wanted to watch it, so I watched it with her. As well.
0: I fucking love that, and I I definitely yeah. watched it more than once. Um, both times just with my son. So we Your we press. both sat down and watched it. No, absolutely. I I adore this, and I will watch Sandra Bullock do anything. Like I watch all of her movies, and I watch all of her press tours. Like I just I think she's great, and. Ninety sandra bullock for me is just top notch like 90s. i'm so excited to recommend speed for you because like it's gonna be I'm so excited good to see it
1: because i've never seen it before and it's got keanu in as well so
0: yes i'm, I'm so looking forward good. to that it's oh yeah honestly it's one of my favorite films of all time I fucking Ugh. love it. I I really hope you enjoy it. I mean you can't not enjoy Sandra Bullock in it. But it's it's not a film that I would normally say to you to watch. Okay. Like I wouldn't normally recommend you an action film. You have. No, I I don't mean like podcast wise. I mean like just in general friendship wise. Oh, okay. Like I normally wouldn't just go, oh, if you'd love this film if it was like an action film. Same as I wouldn't like be like, oh, Soph, watch this and put a horror on, which is why I love doing this podcast because it, it means I me can go, it. oh, Soph, sit down and watch this like Clockwork Orange style, toothpicks in the eyes. Like...
1: Oh, I love that film. I saw, thing is I saw that when I was a teenager, so it's a bit different.
0: Yeah. I have a different connections to it
1: might be a little bit too strong for Quacco Quoc- Orange. It's 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 very disturbing. But No, you're so nostalgic you over
0: it. I <laughs> <laughs> I get the same comfort
1: feels as I do with this film.
0: Um so, okay, so next week we are gonna be putting out our end of year wrap up, which I know, you know, we haven't been here for the full year this year. We're gonna aim to be here for the full year next year. So well, let's fingers, hope. fingers we'll crossed. See. Absolutely. You know, look, we are expert procrastinators and I have the worst mental health so you know no promises but we'll do our best (laughs) but so next yeah next week we'll be back with our end of year wrap up um in the meantime i hope you have a great holidays if you're celebrating christmas happy christmas if you're celebrating anything else happy everything that you're celebrating i hope that you are safe and that it's not too hard if you are like going through maybe having to be back in the closet like myself at some points through christmas uh i hope it's not too painful for you thank you for listening to this week's podcast please remember to rate review and subscribe and you can follow us on instagram at heavenly features pod you can also email us at heavenlyfeaturespod at com. and you can also
1: find us at 18maidenlane.com thanks for
0: listening bye this podcast was brought to you by 18 maiden lane productions